Welcome to the Catching Health Podcast. I'm Diane Atwood, your own personal health reporter. Today's episode is about naturopathic medicine. Naturopathic medicine focuses on the body's inherent ability to heal itself. With us today to explain what that means is Dr. Sarah Kotzer. Dr. Kotzer is a naturopathic physician who practices in Portland, Maine. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, Dr. Kotzer. Thank you for having me. On this snowy, at least here in Maine, morning. (laughs) (laughs) That it is. Well, you've been practicing for roughly 10 years now. Is that right? That's right. I'm curious, when did you first learn about naturopathic medicine? I first learned about naturopathic medicine when I was a little hippie chick out in Portland, Oregon, and I was in massage school, and one of my professors was a naturopathic physician, and I, when I graduated, I ended up working for her, and I saw the kind of job that she got to do every day, and I was so inspired that you could put all of those different types of treatments together in one degree that I was completely transfixed. And so I became a physician myself. So originally you were going to be a massage therapist? Yeah. I th- well, originally I thought I might be a chiropractor. And then I thought before I go spend years and years in medical school, I should find out if I like touching people for a living. And so I became a, a massage therapist and I, and I really loved the work. But after a few years of doing it, I felt that I needed more uh, intellectual sort of challenge Um, And I knew that my body would kind of get tired of doing that by the time I was 80 or something. So I thought maybe naturopathic medicine would be a better fit. So did you have to then go in a different path in terms of your education? I did. I had to go and get my bachelor's degree. And once I got a bachelor's degree, then I was able to apply to naturopathic medical school. Where was that? Uh, in Tempe, Arizona, I went to the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. And are there lots of colleges available? There are now, I believe, seven in North America that are accredited. The closest one to us here on the East Coast is down in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I think they've been around for about 15 years. Okay. And it's a four-year program? It's a four-year program. You have to be there the whole time. It's not an online kind of a program. And... Um, once you graduate, you uh, take a, the same set of board exams that everyone else takes in all 50 states. And then um, you are eligible for licensure in, I believe now, 19 states. We just had Massachusetts actually this week sign a licensure bill after trying for 20 years. They finally got a naturopathic license in mass, which is really exciting. So. Well, I'm going to ask you about licensure, but first I want to know how you made it from the West Coast to the East Coast. <laughs> I grew up in Vermont, and I had these idyllic visions in my mind when I had been living in Arizona going to med school, and I was like, oh, it's so hot in here. I'm going to go back to Vermont. It's going to be so great. And I drive to the East Coast, and I get back to Vermont, and I realize there's like 10 people that live in Vermont, and they don't have a lot of money to sustain a a cash practice, which is what most naturopaths were doing at that time, 10 years ago. They have since got great insurance um, coverage for naturopathic medicine in Vermont. But I looked around and it just, it wasn't a fit. I tried to settle there and I, but it just wasn't meant to be. And so a friend of mine randomly told me that there were knitting workshops in Portland, Maine. I do not even knit. I don't know why I followed her advice. And I came up to Portland and I was like, this is the cutest town 
I've ever seen. And the next day I signed a lease on my medical office. Wow. And you've been I, there ever since. I, well, I moved from that medical office because it was like the size of a postage stamp. Now I'm in a little bigger office. Well, good. So I, I first heard about naturopathic medicine, I think it was in the late 80s, and there were only two naturopathic physicians in Maine. Yes. Now what, there are at least 30. Yes. And when I say at least 30, those 30, including you, are licensed to practice That's here. Right. That's right. So 20 years ago this year, this past October, we celebrated 20 um, years of licensure as primary care doctors in Maine, naturopathic doctors are, are licensed in Maine for 20 years. And um, I think when we had our party, we were at something like maybe 34. And I, you know, there are people moving here all the time. So to be able to practice. But it's not required in all states, is it, to have a license? You Well, it's, there, there are, I think I said 18 or 19 states now that have a license that allow you to practice as a naturopathic physician. Um, in others, I think there's only one state where it's actually illegal to practice naturopathic medicine, and I can't remember. I think it's like South Carolina. I don't remember now. It's somewhere in the South. But otherwise, if you don't have a license, you just, um, if you've been to an accredited school, you just uh, sort of act as a consultant. You can't, you don't have a scope of practice, so you can't, you know, examine a person or, you know, order labs or do make diagnoses when you're in an unlicensed state. But here in Maine, any naturopathic doctor who hangs out his shingle or her shingle uh, is the real deal. They have passed all their board exams. They are up to snuff. And there is a, a title law in Maine that no one can call themselves a naturopath who hasn't been through naturopathic medical school. So um, we're lucky in that way. And so that if you know the public isn't sure um, they can trust anybody that they find on the Maine Association of Naturopathic Doctors website, um, and pretty no, but pretty much nobody else is calling themselves a naturopath in Maine. So I was going to ask you to differentiate because I've seen different categories like naturopathic doctor or naturopathic physician, yes. um, and naturopath. Right. So naturopath is. Um, not the term I actually we we prefer to use because we are doctors. It sort of, you know, it's that's our true title is the naturopathic doctor or a naturopathic physician. Um, here in Maine, when we were getting our licensing bill passed, they didn't want us to be called physicians, even though we have a scope of practice of a physician and we are physicians. So here in Maine, we can't actually legally like put on our business card that we're a physician, but we call ourselves naturopathic doctors, um, and so. But even the word naturopath is not allowed to be used in, in Maine by any practitioner unless they're a naturopathic doctor. Okay. So yeah. what, what exactly does the license allow you to do? Mm -hmm. And what are you not allowed to do? Yeah. So uh, we are able to act as primary care physicians. So that means that a patient can come into the office. We can do a physical exam. We can... Um, draw blood from them. We can, you know, make a determination and diagnosis about what they have. Then we can select uh, a variety of natural treatments. We are able to prescribe some medication, pharmaceutical medication, things like antibiotics, thyroid hormones, uh, birth control, that sort of thing, and a few other things. Um, we can do sort of minor surgical procedures in our offices. I don't know that many naturopaths do that. Um, 
as sort of a focus in their practice. But the things that we aren't able to do are major, major surgery um, and, and the prescription of um, at least here in Maine, we aren't able to prescribe, you know, narcotics and uh, psychiatric medication and some heart medications. And so there is a limitation to our prescriptive scope of practice in Maine. In other states, we have been trained to be able to prescribe the full pharmacy of uh, prescription medications, just like an MD or a DO does. But it depends on the state that you practice in what you are legally able to, to use in your formulary. So the kinds of medications that you prescribe, and we're, we're going to get into this a little bit later in the interview, but they're meant to um, trigger the body's own immune response in a way. Well, it's, it's more than an immune response. In general, what a naturopathic doctor is trying to do with any treatment is to stimulate the body's self-healing mechanism, their innate sort of vital force or vitality which we believe is the thing that makes the body run in a balanced, healthy way. And so we use a bunch of different types of tools to stimulate that to happen. Um, so, you know, we use diet or we use nutritional supplements or we use herbal medications or we use homeopathic remedies or um, we even do physical manipulation, uh, similar to like what a chiropractor does where we um, correct imbalances in the uh, structure of the spine um, or joints. Um, there's a number of other things I'm trying to think of right at the moment. Uh, flower essences is something that some of us use. Um, so, and a lot of us do kind of a counseling, um, have that as part of our practice. So we're really trying to get an understanding of who is this person as a whole and what can we do to help their self-healing mechanism um, sort of turn on, you know, uh, a little bit better. So when you were talking about within the scope of your practice, you are allowed to prescribe certain medications. Um, you don't yeah. limit yourself to only prescribing what you just told us about. Yeah, no, right. In my practice, I prescribe um, thyroid hormone is the thing that I give the most. So a lot of people have hypothyroidism, and so that's a prescription medication that um, is commonly prescribed, um, or birth control pills, or sometimes um, natural bioidentical hormone replacement. Um, some naturopaths do that. And there are a variety of other, um, that's sort of what I do. I, I maybe prescribe less um, pharmaceuticals than other members of my um, state association, but uh, yeah, we do have a number of things that we are able to prescribe that aren't just, the, you know, that things that you would order from a pharmacy. Okay. All yeah. right. So I'd like you to describe a typical first visit, yeah. how, how you might make a diagnosis and yeah. then decide on a course of treatment. Yeah. So a typical first visit in my practice is a two hour visit with the patient and they, um, come in and sit across from a desk and I type into my computer and we have a conversation. Um, and then, so I'm basically trying to get an understanding of what their experience of health or disease is at the current time in as much detail as they are able to give me. So oftentimes a person comes in and says, I have insomnia and that's really the thing that I want help with. But then we also, in the course of taking a really complete history, find out that they have anxiety and their dog just died and they're about to lose their job and they haven't been, you know, eating right or whatever, all these things. And so 
what we try to do in that first visit is to get the bird's eye view of a holistic understanding of who they are as a whole person and what is working and what isn't working in their life. And then to try to find in that first visit, um, you know, are there certain nutritional deficiencies or um, problems with their hormone system or, you know, do they have uh, anemia or something? So we make a list of labs that we would order. And so they go away from that first visit with a lab order oftentimes. Um, I also will look through someone if they bring in their own labs. We, we, you know, we work in conjunction with other physicians, their other um, providers. And then during that first visit, I might suggest a few things, if, you know, to start playing around in terms of how they're eating or what they're eating. Um, nothing too drastic because that will make people run for the hills and there's, there's no point in doing that. So just like gentle little suggestions to start a few changes in their diet. We might start them on a couple of supplements. Um, or herbs. And then in my practice, I do uh, homeopathic medicine where you get a sort of a big picture view of a person, you give them a single um, natural substance that is um, indicated for all of their problems and as a way of stimulating their, their body's own self-healing mechanism. And then we usually will have a person come back in about a month or a month and a half and we will discuss their lab work and talk about how they're feeling and what changes have we made and we sort of um we go from there you know if it shows oh you you know if the labs tell us that there's a disease then we make a diagnosis of that if someone is just generally um burned out or something like that then you know there are a number of um lifestyle and diet changes that we we do to try to help turn that around for them. So at what point might you want to call in um, a medical doctor if you yeah. pick, pick something up and they the person doesn't see a medical doctor? Yeah. Um, so that, that does happen for sure. So if a person, let's say um, I had a woman, a young woman who had... Um, major problems with her endocrine system and her pituitary was doing weird things and uh, it was not right. So we had run the initial lab work and then we referred her to uh, an endocrinologist because we knew it was going to be kind of outside of the scope of what a primary care person would have done anyway. So we definitely refer when needed when the information that we've gathered, uh, either the person needs further testing we can order imaging, um, you know, like x-rays or CT or MRI, but oftentimes it's better for a person to go through their um, MD person because it can, it just can run a little bit smoother. Um, so yeah, there's definitely like an intermingling of um, who's best at using which tools. And sometimes in, especially in the diagnosis process, um, we, we refer out for that. But oftentimes what happens is a person has been to their MD and they come and they say, okay, I've, this diagnosis has been made and I'm being offered medications that I may need to be on for the rest of my life. Are there other options? And that's more probably more common, the direction that, that patients come in is that most of my patients have another MD on their or DO on their medical team already, which is awesome. So Yeah, I, nope. I, I would think it, it would be critical for both of you to know what the other one is doing. Absolutely. Yep. Um, how often is it that a patient does have another, you know, part to their team? Are you usually part of a team? Hey, 
75% of the time, a patient has another MD or a DO or a, you know, a nurse practitioner person they see for their annual exam or, you know, they have other, I'd say 70 to 80%. Well, I think that naturopathic medicine has come a long way since even the 80s when I first learned about it. Um, yeah. But do you find yourself still in the position of having to explain what it is you do, even to physicians, medical yeah, people? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, we are a small profession. I think, I don't remember the, the stats on us as a whole profession sort of nationwide, but I want to say it's like there are under 10,000 naturopathic physicians in the U.S. And there are, I don't know, 150,000 MDs, I can't remember, this is a little while back that I looked at those numbers, but so um, it is surprising that that other medical professionals aren't aware of our level of training. And I think when patients go to their MD and they say, I'm seeing a naturopathic doctor, and if they've never heard of that, then they really have no frame of reference. And so oftentimes patients get the feedback that those treatments might not be safe or um you know, they just are not educated about our level of training. And so, um, you know, our naturopathic medical schools are accredited by this Department of Education that accredits all the, you know, MD and DO schools. We are up to snuff in terms of our scientific, um, you know, medical science knowledge. And like I said, we can prescribe all the same drugs in some states as all MDs and DOs and that we just take a more preventive tap um, task what am I trying to say? A more preventive tack on uh, the direction of treatment. First, we, we go for the natural stuff before we use the pharmaceuticals whenever possible. So what you're trying to do is get at the root of the cause or causes. That's right. That's absolutely right. And as opposed to just making the symptom go away, you know, um, a lot of times sort of allopathic treatments are like, oh, you have pain, we will turn off the pain signal, or oh, you have nausea, we will turn off the nausea signal. And so we are trying to figure out why is the body, you know, intelligently trying, you're giving, you're giving you this symptom, and what can we do to help you not have to have that symptom? So you make me think of a, a friend of mine who's undergoing chemotherapy for a recent cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Um, she's chosen to do what's been prescribed for her in terms of surgery and chemotherapy. Yep. Um, other patients might also need um, radiation therapy. They might have immunotherapy. Yeah. So what you might provide is um, sort of an ad adjunct to what they're providing? Absolutely. Um, and while cancer treatment isn't the sort of specialty in my practice, we are lucky in Maine to have several naturopathic physicians who specialize in that. Um, a few years ago, there's a doctor named Renee Lang, and she works over at Wildwood Medicine in, in Portland. She has um, she is just a great woman, and she has a master's in public health, and she worked for Cancer Treatment Centers of America for six years, I think down in Pittsburgh or Philly or something, and she just really knows her stuff. And so when people ask me, who would you see in Portland for adjunctive cancer care? She's the woman that I suggest, and she's just a really great lady. Also, we have Ann Jacobs up in Demerscada, and we have Barb McDonald, who's up in Camden. And um, those three women have cancer, you know, adjunctive care as their as their specialty. So, and for those who wouldn't understand, explain what that means exactly. Is that helping? Yeah, right. 
Yeah. So oftentimes, um, I mean, there are some people who will want, you know, not to do the drugs and surgery route. And certainly you can see a naturopathic physician for cancer treatment if you want. And that's allowed, of course, it's up to the patient. But most of the time, patients will say, I want to do chemo and I want to do these things and I want to reduce my um, side effects and I want to be able to stay on the treatment. So that's often one of the problems, especially with chemo, is that people get so sick they can't continue the treatment long enough um, for it to be effective. And so there's a lot of great research about using naturopathic therapies alongside chemo and radiation to both protect the body from the toxicity and to, you know, mitigate side effects like the horrible, you know, nausea and the vomiting and diarrhea and the weakness and all of those things um, are, you know, someone really should have a naturopathic physician who specializes in that on their treatment team um, from the get-go so that they can keep on the treatment and stay feeling as good as possible. So you're sort of talking about total body wellness. Absolutely. But, but, you know, with specific focus of, oh, you are taking these medications, we know that these do something, you know, to the liver, and so we need to give you extra liver support, or these affect the, the heart, and so we need to do all we can while you're undergoing treatment with this agent to protect the heart from having, you know, these long-term side effects that sometimes don't go away after, after cancer treatments. And so it's, it's a really great gift that naturopathic medicine has to bring to people undergoing cancer. And I would encourage anybody to um, seek out someone to join their team if that's what they're, they're going through. Now, you said you specialize in homeopathic remedies? I do. And as I understand it, there are highly diluted substances that are meant to trigger the body's ability to, ability to heal itself. That's correct. And also that you treat like with like. What That's does, right. What does that mean? So homeopathic remedies are different from herbs or supplements in that, as you mentioned, they're in an ultra high diluted form. And because of that, they pose no toxicity to the body. And what we know about homeopathic remedies is that um, when you give a substance, like let's say you gave a person a highly diluted form of the coffee plant, and we all know what happens when a person drinks too much coffee, right? They get jittery, they can't sleep. So when a person takes the homeopathic form of coffee, it, in, if you gave that to a group of healthy people as though you were doing a drug trial to find out what the drug did to a person, it would produce those characteristic set of side effects, that sort of agitation or insomnia and that kind of thing. So when a patient comes in to see me and they say, I'm not drinking coffee all night, but I feel like I am and I'm you know, agitated and I can't sleep, then I am going to give them a highly diluted form of coffee um, to cure the symptoms that they're experiencing. And so what we do in a homeopathic um, sort of interview is I'm collecting an, the symptoms or the, an understanding of what this person is experiencing and then I'm finding a substance from nature that causes that same set of symptoms when given to a healthy person. And if we match those two up, you can see changes on the physical, mental, and emotional level. So what you're saying that a remedy that you might choose if yep. in large doses would cause the symptoms but, yes, but in smaller doses, it it triggers the body's ability to self-heal process. Exactly right. 
Okay. So you're, you're not using a substance to get rid of symptoms. You're That's just... right. You're using the substance to stimulate the body's self-healing mechanism. And this will sound like a simplified question, but how do you know if it's working? The patient just feels better? Um... Well, it's, I mean, if they say, um, I was, it, their symptoms improve. So, you know, I was having a woman who was having ocular migraines and she would have to like pull over on the side of the road because her vision would go out because she, <laughs> she was having like this sort of periodic blindness from her or um, the aura of her ocular migraine. So we gave a remedy made from the iris plant and she comes back and she says, I haven't had any ocular migraines at all. So we know that that's working. And um, oftentimes the beauty of what can happen with a homeopathic remedy is that it often will make a permanent change in a person's state. And so it isn't something that you have to keep taking over and over and over forever. It's once you get to a sort of um, place where you haven't had them for a while, then you, there's no need to continue dosing. And that's just the problem is naturally cured. So the substances are for a group of symptoms? So each substance that we study, so we have probably, I think, 4,000 or 5,000 substances in nature that we've studied. These could be mineral substances. They could be plants. They could be forms of, you know, from animals. They, you know, there's a whole number of different things that you make remedies out of. And when we study them, we realize and we catalog what effect they have in terms of um, in these sort of drug trials that we do that we call provings. What what effect do they have on the on the eyes? And you know, oh, they make you have twitchy eyes. Or what effect do they have on the ears? Oh, it's itchy ears or whatever the thing is. And so each remedy is indicated for a whole variety of, of issues in the body. And so when we are treating a person, we pick the, the most prominent issues that the person is having and try to match them to a remedy that that has those same symptoms. And is there ever any danger in using one of these? Um in there is extremely low danger because we're dealing with such ultra high dilution there's really no risk of toxicity so um in some cases people can dose a remedy too frequently and it almost sort of over um stimulates their uh self-healing mechanism in some cases that can make their symptoms get worse for a little while like a week or something um all in all i mean i really have not I uh, had any majorly adverse permanent side effects that I've seen from, from giving people homeopathic remedies over the last 10 years. When would you decide not to use one? Um, when would I? If a person is extraordinarily sensitive, I mean, oftentimes homeopathic remedies are great for people who say, I, every medication I take, I just can't tolerate. Often a, a homeopathic remedy can be good. Um, I guess... I would stop using a remedy if it is, has produced uh, a worsening of symptoms that no matter how sort of gently we dose it, we can't get the remedy, we can't get those symptoms to stop or something. So if sometimes a remedy just doesn't agree and we just see a person feeling worse and then we take the person off of that. But um, So yeah. if a patient is seeing you and you've prescribed one, you're monitoring that, but you can go into some stores and just buy homeopathic remedies off the That's shelves. That's right. That's right. Yep. And people, you know, have them in their first aid kit. Arnica is a remedy that many people know for bumps and bruises or um, there's a bunch of, you know, that's the sort of what I call the gateway remedy. People say, oh, I tried that and it really worked. And it made me wonder if it could help me with something else. Um, but yes, 
remedies are available over the counter. And so we, um, you know, oftentimes we are prescribing things that you can't buy, find at Whole Foods. They carry like, you know, 30 remedies or something. And um, so it, it's not that we always use the ones that are widely available, but um, yeah, it's, it's a great safe form of medicine that people can practice on themselves and on their families or even their pets. Um, and they do, you can do that safely, but when a person has a more complicated issue that they've not been able to treat on their own, then that's the time to come see a person who specializes in the use of homeopathic medicine. And what if a patient is taking other medications? Can they interfere with each other? Well, the beauty about homeopathic remedies is that because they're so highly dilute, there's no risk for interaction between them, that substance, and this, any other medication they're taking. So that's a, that's a lovely thing. And uh, whereas if a person is taking blood thinners and we want to put them on a you know, high potency uh, fish oil, then we hate, we have to think, hey, that could, you know, cause a change in their, their blood could get thinner. That's going to change what's going on with their medication. So with homeopathic remedies, the risk of interaction is really none. Um, but we do have to be careful with, with herbal medicines and with supplements. And that's why people come to a naturopathic doctor, because we, we know about those interactions and, you know, we'll find out what the person is taking pharmaceutically and make sure that, you know, what we're suggesting is safe. And all naturopathic doctors are trained to be able to prescribe um, these other things. Like you happen to specialize in uh, homeopathic remedies. Another naturopathic doctor might specialize in herbal medicines. But you're, That's right. I but, mean, I think that the foundation of the things that most naturopaths share are a really solid understanding of nutrition and the use of um, nutritional supplementation that is probably the bedrock of naturopathic medicine in that we believe that so much of the health of the body comes from the gut and, and a healthy digestive system. And so we all naturopaths know how to treat digestive disease really well. Um, and usually we'll make suggestions around diet changes or supplements to support digestion, that kind of thing. And a lot of times they'll use herbs. Um, but then there are some naturopaths who are also trained in the use of, of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. So they'll use those tools or, um, yeah, but there's a variety of other things people do, but I'd say nutrition and herbal medicine and supplements are probably common to all naturopaths, naturopathic physicians, I should say. So we haven't had a two hour session here, uh, but <laughs> I want you to tell us all what's the best thing we can do to have a healthy gut. Ooh, the healthy gut. Um, if you have to take antibiotics, take probiotics two hours before and after your antibiotics. Um, you want to, you can also eat a lot of cultured foods, so things like kimchi or sauerkraut. Um, fish oil, if you are a, a, um, not a vegan, is a great uh, anti-inflammatory um, agent to be used in the gut as long as you don't have sort of bleeding problems or are on blood thinners. Uh, glutamine is something that I often tell people to use, which is um, used as the primary fuel for all the cells that line your intestine. And so that is helpful for any kind of digestive uh, disease to keep the cells of the intestine healthy, L-glutamine. Um, and then digestive enzymes are something that if a person has indigestion, 
um, taking either capsules of digestive enzymes when they eat will help them break their food down. And probably the biggest thing that helps digestion is managing stress and anxiety because when a person is stressed, the body's uh, nerves that go to all the digestive organs are turned way down and they don't squirt out the digestive juices like they can when they're when we're feeling relaxed. So probably the best thing for digestion is to try to eat when you're more relaxed, don't eat on the run, chew your food well, think happy thoughts while you're eating, and then your own natural digestive process will work as well as it possibly can. Okay, we'll take your advice. We'll try, <laughs> we'll try. Um, one last question. Yeah. Is naturopathic medicine covered by insurance? Some insurance does cover naturopathic medicine. Um, off, I, in my practice, I don't directly bill insurance. I give people a super bill, uh, which is a receipt that has the codes that they need to submit their um, receipt to the insurance company for reimbursement. There are some naturopaths who do directly bill insurance. Off the top of my head, Cigna, Aetna, and I believe Maine Community Health Options are three that do have policies that cover visits with naturopathic physicians. Um, and there is a provision in the Obamacare um, bill that w was supposed to ensure that no matter who you went to for your annual wellness exam, whether it was an MD or a DO or a naturopathic doctor, we had to be covered just the same. And we ran into problems in Maine with insurance companies not complying with that, even though it was law. So we're working on a more, um, you know, inclusive uh, across the board insurance coverage for naturopaths in Maine, but that hasn't happened yet. All right. Well, I know we haven't been able to cover everything, but I think we've run out of time. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to thank you, Dr. Kotzer, for giving us this overview of naturopathic medicine. You are most welcome. My pleasure. I've been talking with Dr. Sarah Kotzer, K-O-T-Z-U-R. She's a naturopathic physician who practices in Portland, Maine. And I'm Diane Atwood. You've been listening to the Catching Health Podcast. Thank you. If you have any comments or questions about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for future podcasts, send me an email, diane at dianeatwood.com. You can connect with me on Twitter, at Catching Health, and Catching Health is also on Facebook. For more health reporting that makes a difference, visit catchinghealth.com. Mm -hmm.